Welcome to episode 207 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. 
New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 207 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am worn out. I am riding high on a bunch of emotions, good emotions. Scary emotions, all sorts of emotions. That's good. (laughs) You want me to elaborate a little bit? Yes. Would you like to elaborate? Well, we're recording this in mid-March. And yesterday, I finally announced to the public in the advanced group on Facebook the project that I've been working on since the beginning of the year. And that was I have launched a Delay Don't Deny social network off of Facebook And it's a membership-based platform. Yes, members do need to pay to join. It's $4.99 a month if you, what's the word, amortize your membership. It's $59.95 a year, and you join, and that works out to $4.99 a month if you join for the year as a founding member. But yes, it's a membership site, but now we're all together. I had all these spinoff groups going on. It's hard to explain. Like, I, I... was letting people start spinoff groups. We had like one spinoff group over there and another spinoff group over there. And I felt like I was losing touch with the community. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so, but I didn't have time to manage, you know, Facebook takes a lot to manage groups. You have membership requests, you have posts to approve, you have people coming in that don't know who you are while they're there. So it takes a lot of work to manage it. So we've got over a hundred groups on the new platform. The address is dddsocialnetwork.com, DDD for Delayed on Deny, dddsocialnetwork.com. Like I said, we have over 100 groups, and they're not all intermittent fasting. We've got groups for different fasting styles, you know, one meal a day, alternate daily fasting, the hybrid approach. But we also have we have a paleo group, Melanie. We have <laughs> a vegetarian group, no matter how anybody eats. We've got a group for it. We've got hobbies. We've got different exercise styles. We've got a group for people who are interested in starting podcasts and writers, because a lot of people in my community have started podcasts and written books, which is one of the things, you know, I'm a teacher. Nothing makes me prouder than seeing other people create content. Does that make sense? Like inspired, they're like, well, Jen did a podcast. I can do a podcast. Or Jen wrote a book and self-published it. Melanie wrote a book and self-published it. I can do that too. And so I feel like in a way, the Delayed on Deny community has been like an incubator for some of these amazing people that I've connected with in the groups. Graham Curry, he's got a great podcast called The Fasting Highway. And he you know, started off just in my groups. He's written a book. He's from Australia. But we'll have a, a group for, for people who want to do stuff like that so they can connect and talk about platforms and the process. We even have a group about dogs and cats if you're a pet lover. <laughs> so it's, it, you know, the tagline is we want to be your favorite social network because we really do. You know, we, we're on Facebook. We've been on it for so long. But it, it's gotten a little harder to navigate and the artificial intelligence has gotten a little weird lately. Like over Christmas in the Life Lessons group, we had some weird, like we got something that Facebook was like, this post is not, you know, it's, it goes against community standards. Please review it. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds so scary. So I went to review it and it was covered up with a mask. You know how Facebook will cover something? Have you ever seen that? No. Well, if, if they think it might be questionable, they're like, oh, click on it on your own risk. So I'm like, what was someone trying to post? 
So I clicked on it to see what it was that was so questionable and objectionable. It was a Christmas bow tutorial. That's strange. The artificial intelligence called it drug paraphernalia, <laughs> but it was bows made of raffia or raffia, however you say it. And, you know, the artificial intelligence is also picking up on certain words as hate speech and bullying. Like one of the moderators got put in Facebook jail for clicking on something incorrectly. And then she said, oops, I apologize. I must have fat thumbs. They put her in Facebook jail and said it was hate speech. Clearly it wasn't. I mean, fat thumbs is a saying. I didn't know there was a Facebook jail. Yeah, I've been in Facebook jail before. I liked too many things too quickly. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. The artificial intelligence. I've commented too much before. Yes, yep. The artificial intelligence looks for people who are doing things too rapidly. (laughs) So you have to do things slowly on Facebook. But so ever since then, like, you know, if I make a post and... A hundred people comment. I just want to go like, 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 like. No, you cannot do that. I lost the ability to post for 24 hours when I was in Facebook jail that time. It's weird when it happens in your own group. Like, it's your group. Because it's done that to me. I'm like, wait, but this is my group. I should be able to post (laughs) whatever I want. You can't, though. So, I mean, it's just, you know, a million little things like that. And, you know, you hear stories like a friend of mine, my friend Sherry that does the Life Lessons podcast with me. She has a friend who was running a cooking group. You know, it had like 10,000 members. It was a cooking group. She woke up one morning and her cooking group had been removed from Facebook and she had been blocked from Facebook. Like her account was deactivated based on something that had happened in the cooking group overnight. And and I realized that, you know, we're at the whim of a platform. Now, I'm not knocking Facebook because we have enjoyed being there for years and it has helped us grow this wonderful community. I will always have love for that platform and what it allowed us to build. You know what I mean? But at the same time, that terrified me that, you know, I have that one group, the 300,000 plus member group, that if something went really terribly wrong. Right. It could just disappear. It could disappear. And and I wouldn't be able to contact those 300,000 people at all. I would not be able. I mean, I don't have their email addresses. I mean, I don't know. Would they ever find me again? I don't know. So, you know, I'm like one of those worst case scenario people. Like, what could go wrong? I always think about that. And so I'm like, I don't want to lose this community that I've built. So we started the new the new platform, launched it yesterday. Yeah, you know, there's been some positives and some some growing pains with it. Not everyone was thrilled that I was starting a membership site, you know, because people say, well, if they're rightly so, intermittent fasting is free and intermittent fasting continues to be free. However, starting a paid platform is very, very expensive. <laughs> and, you know, Facebook is free, but why is it free? Ads. It's got ads. They're selling your data. You're the product, honestly. If you're on Facebook, you're the product. And I've been okay with with that for myself personally for all these years, knowing that Facebook was looking at my data and whatever, showing me ads. I lived with that for the free platform. But for me to have a platform, it is most certainly not free because I'm not going to be selling your data and showing you ads. And there's a lot of costs involved in it. So it has to be paid anyway. I'm, I'm sad about any kind of pushback because I just made this fabulous community and I want everyone to be like, oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> you know, so far, positive people are in there. We've got almost a thousand members on day two. And it's just so exciting watching people find their community. And also some of people that I know that had left Facebook for whatever reason, one of my trusted moderators who I love so much, he's a comedian. People may remember him, John McDonald from the Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast. He left Facebook completely for personal reasons with his family. But 
he's joined the new platform. So it's so good to reconnect with people that I'd lost touch with. It feels amazing. I made a profile. I'm going to come in. Well, people are waiting for you because we made a Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast group. Group. Yes. So there's a group that you, you're you in. Are there people in it? Yeah. You want to know how many members are in it? I can tell you right now. How many? How many people have joined it? Hold on. I got to pull up the... We're also going to have an app. The app is not out yet. So right now, you know, I'm on my iPhone looking at it. Let's see, Melanie. But right now, it's pretty easy to use in mobile on the... Um, on the iPhone. Melanie Avalon, you've got 63 members. Oh. To, okay, now I am very much alert. I mean, I was already alert, but I want to go see. Let's see how many are in the intermittent. We have an intermittent fasting podcast group. Let me search for that one. So anyway, what I'm saying is I'm certain that we probably have listeners who are not on Facebook for whatever reason. You know, not everybody's on Facebook. My sister, for example, never joined Facebook ever, like ever. In her whole entire life, never joined Facebook. She just was, you know, from the day one, she's like, for some reason, I don't like that. So she didn't join. People that just never joined or didn't want to, we have a place for you now. We have 77 members right now in the Intermittent Fasting Podcast Group. So we can all get together there. And we also have something called the Podcast Enthusiasts Lounge, where you can go and talk about any podcast you want. And if you say, oops, fat thumbs, I didn't mean to click that, we don't even care. And if you like things really quickly, go for it. Like them as fast as you want. It's very exciting. Congratulations. It is very exciting. Thank you. And, you know, I didn't sleep last night. I tossed and turned. I thought, have I ruined? Did I mess up? Is this wrong? Because, yeah, like I said, I'm very much a pleaser, a people pleaser. I want to do things that make people happy. I'm like, look what I created for you. Aren't y'all excited? No, no, we're not excited. <laughs> we hate it. Don't create us things. Anyway. <sighs> Now I can take a breath, and the people that are there are very happy to be there. And the people who don't want to join don't have to join. That's the thing. Listeners, friends, you can all join. We can put links to it in the show notes. It's very exciting. That'd be awesome. DDD, socialnetwork.com. It is very exciting. I can't even imagine the logistics and everything that you have to go through to do that. So it's very exciting. Well, you know, setting up those groups was a lot, but we thought about what would someone want? What? could people want? And so we I actually had a little survey. I'm like, if you were wanting to join a group, what would you want it to be? I didn't tell anybody what it was, <laughs> but we got the ideas from from members. And then we thought of more just on our own. And, you know, we've got about 55 moderators slash facilitators in there, plus a whole lot of, whole lot of members and growing by the minute. So I'm just very excited because I love community. That's really it. That's you know, the whole reason I started this with my first Facebook group back in 2015, before I'd even written a book, I didn't have a master plan. I'm going to write books. I'm going to have podcasts. I'm going to, no, I started a community and that was the whole point of it. And so that's what I'm doing here. And everybody, you're welcome to join my community. I'd love to have you or don't join the community. Intermittent fasting is still free. But, you know, if you want to be with us on the platform, join us. I'm not closing down the Facebook groups, though, you know, I am going to be very busy with the the new platform. But the Facebook groups are still going. If you're a member, I'm not going to, like, lock you out. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you that if you were keeping. I mean, I might not answer as much because I'm going to be, you know, on, the, on this new place because these people have joined and I... I can just take a deep breath. I don't have to approve posts. I don't have to approve members. You just join. There you are. You can do what you want. You can come and go. You can join 100 groups if you want to. That's exciting. 
it is very exciting. And you don't have to see what you don't want to see. Like in the advanced group, we've been talking a lot about Zoe, you know, the Zoe app with the personalized nutrition and the gut microbiome testing and the CGM. But some people don't want to see that. And they're, they're like, I'm really frustrated seeing all this talk about Zoe because I just want to keep it simple. Well, now you don't have to see it. You don't go to the Zoe group, but we have a Zoe group for people who do. Yeah, that makes sense. It does. I think it's nice. So I'm so excited. Scared. Yes. <laughs> and excited. All the feels. I have all the feels. I have cried. I have laughed. I have cheered. I didn't sleep at all last night. Another reason, you know what happened last night? The time change. Yes. That's when you realize you really are a night person. When you don't know the time change is going to happen and then you get really confused because all of a sudden... I was like, wow, that hour went by so fast. Oh, because you were awake. Yeah, I went. I looked at the clock and it was three. I was like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, not a fan. I really tossed and turned because I started having doubts. Do you ever do that? You have like doubts. So I'm like lying in the bed. We had like 400 and something members join yesterday and I was having these doubts. I was like, what have I done? What if everyone hates it? What if no one is there? You know, anyway, but then I woke up today, got refreshed, and I started reading what people had been posting and seeing how they were joining the groups, and everyone was excited, and then people were coming in that I hadn't seen in a long time, and it felt like a big party. Then I'm like, okay, now I can relax, except I have this book deadline. (laughs) So why did I do this at the same time that I have a book deadline? I don't know. I I might be crazy. Yeah, that was... I have no comment. That was um, (laughs) an interesting choice of timing. Well, I all of a sudden had that thought in my head that something could happen to my group. I was like panicked. So I was like, I got to protect these groups. So that like moved to the front burner. So honestly, I really was like, I've got to do this now because it's too late if I don't. And then something happens. I mean, something's probably not going to happen. I know that it probably won't, but it could. Like, did you know they shut down a bunch of essential oil groups? Mm Mm-mm. Like all in one fell sweep, one of my members was telling me about it. When somebody's like, nobody's shutting down groups unless they're like, you know, bad, dangerous groups. And this girl was like, well, I was in a bunch of essential oil groups and they all got shut down because Facebook decided essential oils were dangerous. And, you know, maybe they are if you use them incorrectly. But isn't fasting kind of like that, too? Couldn't fasting be dangerous if you used it incorrectly? Mm -hmm. The answer is yes. You know, Google restricts what it shows you now. When you search, it it has chosen, you know, which health people they're going to show you and which health people they're not going to show you based on, you know, certain criteria. So, you know, I just I felt like we might have a tenuous existence on a platform that we couldn't 100 percent count on tomorrow. I'm going to wake up and my groups are going to be there. You know, I'm 99.99 percent sure tomorrow I'm going to wake up and my groups will be there. But once I had in my mind that maybe they wouldn't be, I'm sure the essential oil people didn't know they were all going to be gone. It's almost like I wish they had told them, hey, we're going to remove your groups in one month. You have one month to figure something else out. That would have been a good thing. I would have, you know, (laughs) if only. Actually, that reminds me of a fun little fact I learned by listening to a podcast. What is that? Do you know what the difference is between fear and anxiety? Well, no. As it relates to this conversation. I I can't wait to hear, though, because I think I have felt fear and anxiety. So fear is... When you are aware of something bad happening and you have the fear response, anxiety is not knowing what is going to happen and having the response. But then it's like chronic because... I did have both. Yeah. I had fear because I saw people who were not happy with me. They were not happy that I would do this. And that really hurt my feelings because I'm like, look, 
number one, it came from the place of, I don't want to lose our community. How am I going to keep that from happening just in case? But nobody's making anybody join it. You know, I didn't click archive group on Facebook. Everybody come over here. Didn't close the group. So, I mean, my wording maybe when I announced it gave people some things to worry about because I said, we're not sure the future of how these groups are going to work, you know, on Facebook because clearly I'm one person. I can't be here and there and everywhere all over the place. (laughs) And sometimes I have to eat and sleep and take a shower. We're not we're not closing the groups down. But yeah, I had fear from backlash, like have I made a huge mistake? But then I saw the love. There was so much love. So that this morning I woke up to so much love and there's so much positivity surrounding the new community that I can just let the rest go. So the fear is gone. I still have some anxiety, but no more fear. Well, that is fabulous. Yes. Anything new with you? I'm sorry I just rambled for 18 minutes, but <laughs> Well, the only thing is I I never travel ever, and I traveled somewhere, and I lost my aura ring. Oh, no. And I'm so sad. And <laughs> I'm so sad. So I did something that I never do because I don't wear jewelry. We talked about this. You like jewelry, right? Yeah, I wear my – I wear earrings every day, and I have on my wedding ring every day. Yeah, see, I don't ever really wear jewelry. They have an aura ring that has diamonds in it. <laughs> And I was like, if I'm going to get one piece of nice jewelry that I wear every day of my life. So I upgraded and I got that. Oh, no. And you lost it. No, no, I didn't lose that one. So I lost the one I had. And then I decided to buy a new one because... I thought you upgraded to the really expensive one and then lost it. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I would be crushed. That's what I thought you did. I mean, they're already pretty expensive normally. But yes, I think listeners think we get all the things for free all the time, but we don't. (laughs) I have to purchase things. But that's how much I love it. I was like, it's not a question. I'm buying a new one right now. And then I realized I really want the one with the diamonds. So I learned don't wear it on your ring finger, right? Because then you look married or it looks like a wedding ring. I probably would agree with that. I mean, unless who cares? Why do you care if people think you're married? Right? That could be a plus. True. Keep in mind, I've been wearing a ring on my wedding ring finger since I was 21. So it's been a long time. 30 years I've had this ring on my finger. Oh, my goodness. It's ironic. I lost it. And then I actually interviewed the CEO again for a part two episode, like a few days later. And I'm airing it very soon because I wanted it to be timely. So if listeners are interested in Aura Ring and learning more, I'll put a link in the show notes to that second interview that I just did with him. Shall we jump into everything fasting related? Yes. So to start things off, we have a question from Jamie. The subject is whoosh. And Jamie says, when on average does someone, women, get the whoosh effect, losing a bunch of weight at once, two weeks in, and I've only lost one pound where my husband has lost 17 pounds? All right. That's a great question. And first of all, let's talk about what is the whoosh. We've talked about it before, but I want to talk about it again. The whoosh effect is when, I mean, because we know, like, let's think about in our bodies biologically, we lose fat at a pretty slow rate. I mean, even if you're doing a complete fast or you're eating nothing, your body probably is only going to lose about half a pound of fat a day max, really, for fat burning. So keep that in mind. But that that's like we're not usually losing a half a pound of fat a day with doing an intermittent fasting lifestyle. 
So let's say you get on the scale and you don't see your weight change, 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 and then you get on one day and it's down five pounds. Did you just lose five pounds of fat overnight? No, you did not. You had a whoosh. And you had lost fat slowly, but something was hiding that fat loss. And we were pretty sure that your body does something with water during the fat loss process, but not everybody has the same experience. Some people never whoosh. They just have a slow and steady down, down, down over time. They have this nice little graph. They're pretty linearly down. Most people don't, but some people do. Whereas someone who whooshes might look more like a stair step. Or you have a, it's just the same, the same, the same, the same, then down, then the same, the same, then same, then down, like that. I mean, you might zigzag up and down. I tended to have the pattern where I would go way down, and then I would go back up a little and stay there for a while. Then I would go way down, then I would go up a little. So mine looked like, you know, the stock market's going down a little bit. (laughs) Why does this happen? As I said, we, you know, we have the theory that it's something to do with water balance because people will notice maybe they have to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom a lot. And then the next morning, they're lower. So the water is coming from somewhere. There's one theory that I don't think is true. And that theory is that the body is actually putting water in your fat cells. I haven't been able to find any scientific basis for that. And I have heard scientists who are smarter about the body than me say, no, that's not what's happening. So, you know, could they be wrong? Could that be what's happening? I don't know. One of the ones that sounded plausible to me was, I think, the glycerol. One thing I was reading online, his theory was that fat, when we break it down, it breaks it down into glycerol and is it fatty acids and glycerol? I think so. He says it takes a while for the body to process glycerol and glycerol attracts water. Oh, that makes sense. So it's like you burning the fat, you burn the the fatty acid part of the fat. And I might be wrong with if fatty acid is the other component. I think it is. But then the glycerol takes kind of like backlogs and has to be processed. In the meantime, it's like stored with water or attracts water. But it's not happening in the fat cell, right? I'm not sure where the glycerol is. Something's happening with water. We know that. (laughs) It's somewhere. I also, I've talked about it before here. I have a hunch it could be, you know, in your lymphatic system, which is like the body's sewage system. Because as you're, you're, you know, clearing out a fat cell, fat's not the only stuff that's in there. You've also got a lot of toxins and weird stuff that your body shoved in there. Like, you know how you shove junk under your bed, your body shoves junk into your fat cells when it doesn't know what else to do with it. So toxins do come out and, you know, your body has all that going around in your lymphatic system and then it like can flush it out all at once. You know, you may have puffy fingers. We've all experienced this, puffy ankles, you know, but your face might be puffy. That's water retention happening in in your tissues. And then whoosh, you wake up and that's gone. So Jamie, you know, not everyone gets a whoosh. So don't expect you're going to get one. But let's address the fact that you're two weeks in and you've only lost one pound. If you think back to the 28-day fast start, if you read, you know, fast, feast, repeat, in the 28-day fast start, I'm very, very emphatic about Do not expect any weight loss for the first 28 days because the first 28 days are the time for your body to adjust to the clean fast, and that's it. Your body's not great at tapping into fat stores yet. Now, it may lose a great deal of inflammation, like with your husband with 17 pounds in two weeks. He did not lose 17 pounds of fat in two weeks. And I know that we would like to, we don't lose fat that quickly. But even so, even if that's a lot of that's inflammation, water weight, 17 pounds is a lot of mass. 
So like imagine how good it would feel to lose 17 pounds, whatever it is, water weight, inflammation. I know he feels better, but we don't lose fat that quickly. Just understand that your body is doing what it's doing behind the scenes and the scale doesn't always reflect that. The scale can go up because of water. It can go down because of water. It can go up if you're gaining fat, but it can go down if you're losing fat. But it can also stay the same while you're losing fat because you're also regaining water. So, I mean, the scale can really just confuse you. Yes, 100%. Did you read Gary Tobbs, The Case for Keto? No, I read Marty Kendall's critique of it. (laughs) I really like Marty Kendall. By the way, Marty, we talked about him on the podcast, I think that came out maybe last week. We're recording, you know. It's several weeks ago in podcast world land, but it, in the real world, it was like last week. And Marty listened, and he was like, oh, thank you all for talking about me. Anyway. On our show? Yeah, when we talked about Marty Kendall and his optimizing nutrition site. But I read Marty Kendall's blog post, you know, about the, the case for keto. I finished his book about it. So good. So good. I'm like three-fourths of the way through Gary Tobbs. He's coming on your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. I sort of want to air them back to back, like Air Marty's and Gary's. I don't know what order I'd put them in. I guess it kind of depends how the conversation goes. I'm going to tell you, Marty Kendall is brilliant. And he is, he's questioning. You would think by reading, you know, the he has a book called Keto Myths or something. You would think by reading the title of whatever, I can't remember the name of it. Big Fat Keto Lies. Yes, Big Fat Keto Lies. You would think by reading it that he was anti-keto, and he's not. But he is busting some keto myths, like if you're having trouble losing fat, eat a lot more fat. Mm-hmm. So he's he's saying some things that, that need to be heard in the keto community. And, you know, I, I actually think some people are listening. One of the big guys, I can't remember which one, one of my moderators showed it to me, one of the, the big keto people, might have been the diet doctor guy, the guy who runs Diet Doctor. Mm-hmm. It was somebody really big, well-known. I just can't remember. My brain is full. Made some kind of post. I don't know if it was a tweet. I don't know where it was, but she showed me a screenshot of it where he said that he had lowered his fat intake or something and increased his protein. He was getting leaner than ever. He'd stopped eating so much fat. I'm like, that's huge. I think it's one of the biggest misconceptions. This is something I'm going to ask Gary. Like, This is the question I want to ask him because it's the, probably the biggest takeaway I took from Marty. It's the biggest paradigm shift I had about insulin after reading Marty's book and now reading Gary's book. He talks about this completely, but he doesn't draw the same conclusion. And it's really haunting me. And it's the fact that this has made me completely rethink insulin. Like its main purpose is not to store fat. And Marty talks about this, which I never realized before. Well, it's anti-lipolytic, which means if you have high insulin, you're going to have a hard time burning fat. Its main purpose is not to store fat. Its main purpose is to stop fat from being released. So it's putting on the brakes to fat release. It's putting the brakes rather than shoving it in. That's a very good point. And we've, we read so many times that people are saying insulin is shoving the fat in or shoving sugar in something. Yeah. Yeah, so it could because its main purpose, and this is something that Marty pointed out that I hadn't really thought of. So fat doesn't elicit at all or barely any of an insulin release. And so they reached the conclusion that because it doesn't release insulin, that it's not easily stored as fat. What Marty argues is the reason it doesn't release insulin is because it doesn't need insulin to be stored as fat, which is like the complete opposite idea of what people are drawing the conclusion from. You know, they're saying, oh, unlimited fat because it doesn't require insulin. 
Right. It doesn't require insulin because it just gets stored without it, (laughs) which is like huge. So basically insulin's purpose is to deal with the toxicity of sugar in the bloodstream. So if insulin wasn't there, we would just be burning fat and then we'd have an overload of fuel in our bloodstream. And so when we eat carbs, the body needs to burn it immediately because too much sugar glycates our cells and is toxic. It needs to shut down all other potential sources of fuel going into the bloodstream, which is from our our fat cells and from the storage of carbs. So insulin is just kind of like closing the doors. The traffic cops saying no. Yeah. I've been thinking about it. Like it's like if you live in an apartment, I've been thinking about this and like the hallway is your bloodstream. And then the doors to all the apartments are your fat cells. And normally the, the doors are open and like stuff is going in and out of the rooms, but it's like once, you know, carbohydrates enter the bloodstream, insulin is like, nope, shut all the doors so that nothing else can come out and we can just deal with this, with these carbs right now. So what I want to ask Gary, and it helps me to articulate this because I've been thinking about this, but I haven't said it out loud and I want to like... Well, it's also very interesting. The thing that I want to ask him about is, I mean, he gives a length. It's basically, if anybody's read any of his books, they're long. <laughs> like I said, I went on a trip this week. It was a four-hour drive both ways and I listened to the audiobook as much as I could both ways and I was like, I was like, I filled my Gary Tobbs quota for, <laughs> for quite a while. Does he read it himself? No, he doesn't. He's an investigative journalist. He's not a scientist. He's rather telling the history of all of these things. He makes a very good point that actual scientists, and now I'm going on tangents, but like scientists and nutritionists and doctors don't normally ever study the history of everything in detail because they don't have time and they don't think it's relevant. But he was saying that you can't really understand a a subject until you know the history of how it got there. So that's what he's doing. In any case, with the insulin... He keeps saying this idea that, you know, it stops fat cells from releasing their fuel, but he'll also say a lot throughout the book, the the misconceptions we have and how we've oversimplified calories in, calories out. And we say it's just about calories and really it's about insulin. It's really complicated. It's really nuanced. But I feel like the simplistic statement he still continues to make is that insulin leads to fat storage. I'm not articulating this well. The insulin is required for fat storage. Like that idea still comes through. Okay. Yeah. Insulin is anti-lipolytic. It's anti-fat burning. So if you want to tap into your fat stores, you don't want to have high insulin. But that doesn't mean you're storing. You're just not burning. I need to re-listen or reread one part because there's one part where he specifically says this, but I don't know if he's saying it or if he was quoting somebody else, but it was the theory that you can't store fat in the absence of insulin, which just seems to not be true. The takeaway that I'm having right now is, I don't even know if this is worth pondering, but because he's trying to deconstruct the calories in, calories out model. I don't know if if you are at a genuine calorie deficit, even with high insulin, do you think you can gain weight? I Maybe, maybe you can't ever burn weight, I mean, if if nothing is coming in, if nothing is coming in, what are you storing the fat? What's it being made of? We don't create fat out of thin air. Our bodies don't just create fat out of thin air. If something comes in, our bodies do something with it and store that as fat. Maybe it was fat already and we just shoved it away, you know. What I'm thinking is it seems like insulin could make it impossible to burn fat. So you could not possibly lose weight at a calorie deficit because of high insulin, but I don't know if you could gain weight. 
at a calorie deficit and high insulin. Because if you are literally taking in less energy than you're burning, I don't know how you could have a net gain, even if, I don't know. You were talking about based on what the metabolism is doing. You couldn't. I mean, your metabolism could slow down. Right. But if you're still burning more than that slowed metabolic rate, I don't think it's possible. No, I don't think so. That wouldn't make sense. The one thing to keep in mind, though, is let's think about type 1 diabetics. They, Their bodies, you know, not making insulin, they were unable to gain weight at all. So low insulin because they're not making it, unable to gain weight. See, that's one of the big examples, you know, Fung uses, and I think I used it. You hear it so much. That's why, you know, we know that insulin, high insulin is related to storing. It's a storage hormone. And and to clarify, it definitely encourages the storage of carbs as glycogen. But like people who had type 1 diabetes before anybody knew what type 1 diabetes was, they would just waste away and die because they didn't have enough insulin, because they could not, no matter how much they ate, their bodies couldn't store anything away. So, so many questions. (laughs) So many complicated things going on. Here's what we need to know. The takeaway is we want to keep our insulin low. That's good. But also fat is not free. (laughs) So far, what I've read, that's his thesis. His takeaway is fat is free. Well, I haven't gotten to that yet, if he does say that. But his takeaway is that Everybody has, and I really, I like this idea that everybody has a personal insulin threshold and that if you're at that insulin threshold or below it, you'll be able to burn fat. But if you're above it, you won't be able to. Oh yeah. I a hundred percent can buy into that theory because that, I mean, I don't even know if that's like a, I mean, I think that's true. I don't think it's like under question. I think that is a fact. So, you know, it explains I'm sure that I had really high insulin for so many years when I was overweight and having trouble gaining weight. And then Chad, my husband, always been slim. I'm sure he's always had low insulin. We had our insulin tested last year. Mine's low now, thanks to fasting, but Chad's was low. His was lower than mine. And I'm like, well, no wonder he never gained weight. His body just makes less. I mean, he's not like diabetic, but his body makes less insulin than me. So we all have a different you know, threshold with what our body's going to do based on the amount of insulin we have, you know, our fasted insulin level. Yeah. He talks about while fasted, if you release insulin and how one person, you know, they can think about something really delicious and yummy and they don't get ravenously hungry. Like it doesn't make them, they can handle it. They don't feel like they have to have it and they're not craving and shaky. And another person does have that response. And he was saying that it's from the cephalic insulin, you know, basically in our brain. And depending on your basal insulin, that may or may not be enough insulin release to put you over your personal insulin threshold. So if you're like wavering around your personal insulin threshold, or if you're already past it, and then you, you know, think of like something really delicious, then your brain releases cephalic insulin, which is basically some insulin that's like primed and ready just to be released. And that might be an, it's anticipating foods coming in. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then it releases that. And then that puts your personal insulin threshold high enough that it just shuts off, you know, the fat cells ability to release fat. So then you're not getting any fatty acid fuel. And yeah, so it's really interesting. I'm really excited to interview him. One thing that Marty really helped me understand also with the Zoe, if I put together Marty and Zoe, it really helps me understand a lot about my body. Marty talks about energy toxicity and having too much energy in your blood, whether it's fat or ketones or 
you know, glucose. You don't want to have too much. You're having a lot of energy in your bloodstream from any source is not good. You know, I never did feel well when I did keto that summer of 2014. I felt awful the whole time. And I also felt very inflamed and puffy and I just didn't feel good. And Zoe taught me when they they did the, you know, I did the the study with them that my body doesn't clear fat quickly. And they tell you that if your body doesn't clear fat quickly, then too much fat is inflammatory for your body. And I'm like, well, that makes perfect sense. And it explains why I didn't feel well when I was doing keto, because I was taking in a whole lot of energy. My body didn't clear it very quickly. And so it, my, I'm sure I had a ton of fat circulating in my bloodstream that I was taking in, and I wasn't clearing it. So, of course, I also didn't release any fat. So <laughs> I didn't lose any weight. You know, all those all those butter coffees I was chugging, were, they were keeping my energy levels topped up in my bloodstream. My, my body had no need to release any fat. Oh, wait. Speaking of, since we recorded last, I did release the episode with Dave Asprey. Speaking of butter coffee. <laughs> so listeners, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. You can check that out. I think my favorite chart, because Marty has a lot of really great charts in his book. My favorite one is the one that shows preferred order of burning different fuels. Oh, and by the way, I like Marty so very much that even in the new platform, the DDD Social Network, I have a data-driven fasting group over there for anybody who's following Marty because a lot of my people have followed Marty, especially since I interviewed somebody on the podcast that talked about him. And then I interviewed Marty. It hasn't come out yet, but there are a lot of people who are like, hey, I want to I want to learn about that. And anyway, so data-driven fasting in the DDD Social Network. Okay, I found this is not the full chart. The full chart is on a different page. The full chart that I saw included alcohol and ketones. I think the order was when alcohol and ketones were included. I think it was alcohol and ketones. And then, so this is the order of that the body preferentially burns the fuel substrates in our body. And I think it was alcohol and ketones and then glucose in your blood and then liver and muscle glycogen. But I have to ask him about that because I don't think muscle glycogen would be right there. I think that's... Incorrect. And then free fatty acids in your blood and then body fat. So body fat is basically at the very, very, very last resort. Yeah. Our body doesn't want to dig in. You know, I love Jason Fung's analogy that it's in the freezer in the basement. And, you know, I'm not going to go down to that basement freezer unless I have to. So that's the body, too. Not wanting to. But it's there. We can get to it if we have to. We just have to give the right environment for the body to tap into your fat. 100%. (sighs) Not as easy as it sounds, though. (laughs) Ready for the next one? Sorry for the tangents. Mm -hmm. No, it was good. I think it's all been very interesting. We have a question from Daniela, and the subject is collagen slash vitamins. She says, when breaking a 19 to 20-hour fast, can I start with my collagen supplement, which is powder and water, and gummy vitamins? Please don't judge a grown woman taking gummy vitamins. Laugh emoji. (laughs) I will not. No judging. So great question, Daniela. The very short and simple answer is yes. The longer answer is, it's a good thing to clarify. I think collagen is something people, especially people that are new to fasting, think that it might be something that they can take while fasting, especially because it's often, quote, prescribed to take it the way she's taking it, like in water. Collagen is definitely something, it's not fasting friendly. It's a protein, an amino acid. It's going to definitely, definitely break your fast. Yeah. People like to stir it in coffee. I don't know why. Mm Mm-hmm. I think Dave started that. Oh, did he? Mm-hmm. I think way back in the day, because I remember reading him writing about it, and he was saying for women in particular, it was a good thing. Well, I don't know. I was like, why is everybody wanting to put this in their coffee? 
The good thing about collagen though, is it's very nourishing to your gut. So it's actually a really wonderful time to take it right when you're breaking your fast, like Daniela is. And then same, yeah, it's fine to take the gummy vitamin. I'm not a huge fan of multivitamins in general. I think it's better to target specific nutrients. There's so much complexities to vitamins that it's hard to find a vitamin that you know is actually doing what you want it to be doing. But that aside, it's fine. Yes, Jen, thoughts? Oh, no, I was just thinking I'm really hungry. And I was like, why am I so hungry? And then I realized it's 3 p.m., but my body, wait, and we sprung forward. See, I get so confused with the time change. Me too. It's only 2 p.m. to my body. Why am I so hungry? Okay, sorry. I just got really hungry. All the emotions or all of our talk. Maybe the stress. I also didn't eat a lot yesterday. That must be why. My body might need two meals today, but I'm just all of a sudden really starving. All that delicious collagen discussion. Might have been that cephalic insulin response. I don't know, but all of a sudden I was like, I need to eat some food right now. Anyway, I'm going to go eat some eggs on toast. That sounds delicious. All right. So next question, or do you have thoughts about? No, I really think that's it. I don't take collagen. You know, I've sometimes wondered if I'm missing out because so many people take it, but I don't know. Um, It can do really, really wonderful things, especially if you are trying to grow your nails and hair and then heal your gut lining. It can be really great. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm of the age where collagen production in our skin goes down and we start to look saggy. I mean, that's just part of the hormonal changes of being, you know, in the postmenopausal years. So we've all seen those amazing grandmas on the beach rocking their bikinis, but they're all saggy. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to start taking some collagen maybe, or I'll just embrace the sag. I don't care. And then, well, I think that probably the most important thing about collagen is it's really important in the amino acid balance of the meat that we eat. So today we tend to eat basically muscle meat. So chicken breasts and lean steak or even fattier steaks, if it's not like shank or something like that. Historically, we probably would have been eating more of the whole animal and getting collagen, which it's really important for an anti-inflammatory amino acid ratio and building your gut, like I said. And so, yeah, it may be time, but I will keep it in my window. (laughs) I don't know why. I just can't think of the idea of powder and water. Can you take it in like a pill? That's what I'm going to look for. I don't know. I don't want to dissolve anything in water. When I took it, of course, I just would eat it with my food. I thought it tasted really good. But it's really important, in my opinion, to get like grass-fed collagen. We can put the link in the show notes to some some brands that I like. I don't know why. I have like a, a mental thing against it. Like I feel like it's going to be gross. I don't know why. It's funny. I love the way it tastes. But I'm weird. I did eat bone marrow when I was in Charleston. Was it delicious? Oh, my Lord, it was good. It was at this little restaurant on King Street in Charleston. Man, it was good. It's one of those things where if you haven't tried it, I mean, it might sound like gross or it might sound like, why would you want to eat that? Yeah, I was scared of it, but everybody raved about it on all the reviews. Yeah. It tastes like heaven. It was so good. Oh, well, we agree on a food. (laughs) It's hard to describe the taste. It just tastes like... This was some kind of bone marrow pudding. It was like a bread pudding made of bone marrow. If you go to Whole Foods or something, you can get... Can't. I was going to say you can get bones or you can get cuts that have the bone in it, like a shank cut, and it'll it'll have that marrow. And if you cook it like normal, then you could just eat the marrow plain. It just tastes, oh my goodness, amazing. Shall we go on to our next question? Yes. So this comes from Elizabeth and the subject is starting IF after HCG. And Elizabeth says, I have read both Delay Don't Deny and Fast Feast Repeat. I discovered you while in the midst of a round of HCG. I am sure IF is for me. My HCG ends this week. My question is, do I need to do the follow-up protein diet and reintroduce carbs 
before starting IF or can I go right to IF after my three days after HCG? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I do want to say I'm really glad, Elizabeth, that you found us even in the middle of HCG. But I, I do not recommend HCG. I mean, honestly, you didn't know that because you were already doing it before you found us. So I'm not saying you shouldn't have done it because you can't go back in time. Does that make sense? <laughs> but for anyone who has not done HCG, I highly, highly would not recommend that you do it. You know, I, I certainly tried it back in my diet days. I I didn't do the drops. I did the go to the doctor, get the prescription, take the injections because the theory made so much sense. It was, you know, you're going to tap into your fat stores because you're using this pregnancy hormone. Your body thinks you're pregnant so that it's going to help you tap into your fat stores better and it does something in your hypothalamus. That's the theory. And keep in mind, this was a long time ago that I was doing this. And I was desperate to lose the weight. I was obese. So I get it. Everyone who has tried these things like HCG, I tried them. I've done them. And you know, I lost a lot of weight doing it. Then that was when I really started the diet yo-yo after that. You know, the diet pills really got me. You know, I got those from a doctor, too. The doctor prescribed diet pills, regained the weight. Then I did HCG, got that from a doctor, lost a lot of weight, regained the weight. But then I was really like obese and struggling. So it's not supposed to damage your metabolism, but I don't agree with that. I don't think that's true. I think that theory, just on my own personal response, I don't think that it's true. I think it tanked my metabolism because suddenly I gained way past any set point I'd ever had before. And I was over 200 pounds, you know, for the first time ever. Before all the crazy diets, I was hanging out around 160s is my upper limit. Then I did all these crazy diets with the diet pills and the HCG. And then all of a sudden, my set point's now 200, you know, or 180, you know, in in that range. So it definitely harmed my body long term. Thank goodness. I think intermittent fasting helped me reverse it. If it were me, Elizabeth, if I were finishing HCG right now today and discovered intermittent fasting in the middle of it, I think I would... Go straight into the eating window approach because you've already been eating like practically nothing. Gosh, actually, see, I don't know. Because I'm thinking maybe the alternate day fasting approach would be a good one for her because her metabolism is probably slow. So you want to boost it again. And so I would I would probably, I don't know, you've already been eating a very tiny amount. Those are down days. So I might would do alternate daily fasting. Down day, up day, down day, up day. And as far as are you going to reintroduce carbs, mm, I don't know. The original doctor that created this protocol, Dr. Simeons, did have you restrict carbs, but I, I don't know that that was like the magic. I think that just kept you from, quote, regaining that water weight, you know, because you lose a lot of water when you're doing a really restrictive diet like HCG. And then carbs, you eat carbs and it causes your body to retain water. So it's like rapid weight gain, but it's really it's like a lot of water. So restricting the carbs as you ease back into eating would keep that from happening, which is what he wanted you to do. But then he wanted you to crash diet if your weight went up, like eat a tomato or something, or have a tomato and steak day or some crazy nonsense like that. <laughs> if your weight went up, you're supposed to have a t- steak day. You eat tomatoes all day and then eat a big steak or, or fast all day and then eat a steak. I can't even remember. Yeah, I think it's a one meal a day steak. With just a steak. Mm-hmm. It's like carnivore, one meal a day. Maybe. I, that could be it. I think that actually is. But that's a super duper crash diet. And I am not judging anybody who does it because I did it. So I'm just going back and giving my back in the past self, giving her a hug. 
Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get an exclusive discount on one of my favorite products for truly upgrading your health on a cellular level. So the new year is upon us and it's often a time where people are really trying to instill new habits and really upgrade their health. There's something I have been using for years, not just at the new year, Literally every single day of my life, I am not making that up. Even when I travel, I have a way to address it then, which I will tell you about. And it's something that is so easy and feels amazing. That is red light and near infrared therapy. Okay, so friends, you could go somewhere and pay a lot of money to do red light near infrared therapy sessions, or you could just bring it to your home and use it every single day. That's what I do. I've been using Juve red and near infrared light therapy devices for so long. There are so many clinically proven benefits of red light therapy. That includes improving your skin. Yes, you really will notice it. Faster muscle recovery, reduced pain and inflammation, enhanced sleep, and so much more. I use it in the morning and evening as ambient light because it actually mimics the setting and rising sun. And then I sort of run it throughout the day as well to help combat all of the blue light that we're exposed to, which can have a negative effect on our health. Whenever I have muscle pain, I shine Juve on the muscle. For me, it has made the pain go away instantly. And then for chronic pain, when I do continued sessions, it's made it dissipate. One of my good friends who is a doctor uses these devices on his, shall we say, manhood for benefits there. Yes, it can help in that department as well. I honestly could not imagine my life without Juve. You will just feel so good using these devices. People also post all the time in our Facebook group of their pets gravitating towards the Juve because intuitively they just know that it's good for them. The reason Juve can address so many things related to health is because it actually affects our cells on the mitochondrial level. Basically, it makes those cells perform better. And when those cells are performing better, everything just works better. That's why, yes, Juve can help with your energy as well. I've been recommending Juve specifically for years because the quality of their devices are the best. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options to give you flexibility. The treatments are so easy. You can do them in as little as 10 minutes, or you can be using it all throughout the day like I do. All you have to do is relax and let your body take in the light. They also have their Juve Go, which you can travel with. Yes, that is how I really do use this every single day. That Go is also great for targeting specific areas of your body, like hurting joints or sore muscles. Honestly, friends, health doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be complicated. If you're looking to enhance your health and wellness this new year, start with what matters, which is your cells. And Juve has an amazing offer just for our audience. You can go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the coupon code ifpodcast to get a discount on your qualifying order. Again, that's j-o-o-v-v.com forward slash ifpodcast to get an exclusive discount on your order. Pick up a Juve today. Some exclusions apply. I really hope you guys can experience Juve. It really is one of my favorite things. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. The interesting thing about HCG is the macros of it are very similar to protein sparing modified fast, which Gary actually talks about in his book about basically being the only quote, crash diet that actually pretty much consistently always works because I think HCG is, isn't it like 500 calories of basically protein? A day. Yep. Yeah. So if it were me, I would probably just jump into IF, but maybe start with a longer eating window and making sure that you're eating a lot. Yeah. Maybe so. Cause I was kind of thinking about that too. That almost went that direction. It's hard to know. Either way, come from the perspective of your metabolism slowed after all that crash dieting. 
I just feel like I need to be saying this more when we're getting questions, especially from people who are hungry or trying to boost their metabolism. Focusing on protein, I think is so, so important. So that's another one of the the big fat keto lies that Marty talks about is people think fat is satiating. Protein is the macronutrient is that is most satiating. I think focusing on protein can be really, really important for boosting metabolism and for weight loss because, I mean, it's like the best of both worlds in that regards and that it fills you up the most of any food, but it's also, I mean, it's not very likely to be stored as fat. Like we don't preferentially store protein as fat. Oh, actually, I don't know if it was in Marty's book. I think it was Marty's book. He mentioned a study about whey and even in a study where they added in excess calories through processed whey protein, excess calories, the participants did not gain weight from it, which I actually would have thought maybe they would when it's that processed. Because it was whey. Yeah. And it's whey, which is very dairy derived. Yeah. It's growth promoting. So protein is a really, really good macronutrient to focus on if you're trying to lose weight, trying to be full. It's it's probably why I've been eating such a high, I eat such a high protein diet for so long. But yeah, I would probably just jump into a IF with a longer eating window. And especially if you're, if you're worried about gaining back a lot of weight after that, that's another reason I would really focus on protein. So I would encourage you, Elizabeth, not to go crazy. And, you know, if you're eating tons of carbs and tons of fat, it's very likely that you'll, you might gain back a large part of, and not just water, like you might gain back in fat, a large part of what you lost. If you want to maintain whatever you did lose, I would really focus on protein and then looking at your, your macros. Yeah, I wouldn't just reintroduce all the things. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tricky one. I know. But I'm glad that you found us, Elizabeth. That makes me really, or Beth, she goes by Beth. I'm glad you found us, Beth. And don't be scared if your weight goes back up a little bit. Don't blame the intermittent fasting. Blame the HCG and know that it's going to go back up a little bit. And then it might take a a, a little while longer for you to actually start burning fat well and start getting, you know, really losing more weight just because your body's got to learn to trust you again. So you definitely don't want to do intermittent fasting in a way that's also overly restrictive. That won't be helpful. Can I get something off my chest real quick? Sure. I'm so frustrated by the whole women shouldn't do intermittent fasting at certain times of the month or we're too fragile flower to do intermittent fasting that is really becoming, you know, more and more out there like as just common knowledge, but I don't think it's true. I think women should not be overly restrictive with their diet. But the fact that for all of a sudden we're like, well, that means intermittent fasting is out. Intermittent fasting that is overly restrictive is the problem. But that doesn't mean no woman should ever do intermittent fasting like as part of her, during her cycles. I mean, I I don't know. I maybe they haven't eaten with me. I eat a lot of food. I was <laughs> Nobody's telling those women not to do a 1200 calorie a day diet. You know, that's overly restrictive, a a traditional diet, you know. I agree as well. And I I was also just thinking one of the other things people say is people say it's too hard for women, especially to eat enough protein. I was just thinking about that. It's probably really hard if you're eating, if if you're not focusing on protein. And so you're eating a lot of, a lot of fat with it or a lot of carbs might make it easier to eat a lot of protein. But I think people focus so much on fat a lot of the times that that would make it harder to eat a lot of protein. Yeah. Just over-restriction is really hard on a woman's body. Over-restriction is hard on our body. But to then say, well, then women shouldn't fast certain times of the month, 
I, I don't buy that argument. You know, even though some some really well-known voices that I respect are starting to say that more like it's common knowledge, I disagree. Anyway. I just, I don't feel good when I'm not, when I'm not doing my fasting. This is me personally. I don't feel like it helps my hormones. I feel much better hormonally doing my fasting window, like hands down. But everybody's individual. That said, I do think there might be some women who do do better with. Yep. Particularly if they struggle with eating sufficiently because they've trained themselves to be a dieter, for example, and they're a restrained eater. If someone eats like a bird, tiny little amounts of food, maybe they just naturally can't eat a lot at one time, you know, okay, then they might need a longer window. But that's, it's not the fasting that's the problem. It's the fact that you can't eat enough food within your eating window. Like that person shouldn't then try to do one meal a day in a one hour window. You know, I wouldn't recommend that. If you're eating this tiny little amount of food, that's not good for you. It's over restriction. So we don't want to over-restrict our bodies, women. Exactly. But that doesn't mean that fasting is over-restriction. That's, that's the part that I keep getting frustrated about. Assuming that fasting means over-restricting, and it does not to me. They're not synonyms. Right. But they are often posited as such. Well, they are. And there's this whole complicated graphic that people are now sharing that came from somewhere. And I know where it came from. I'm not going to say, but it's... It's like, here's how you fast every week of your cycle. I'm like, no, you might have a hungrier day. Listen to your body. Do it. But that sounds really complicated. It does. And but I don't know that there's like solid science of to why you would do that. Other than, yeah, your body might need more nutrients at a certain time of your cycle. But I mean, my body was always good at telling me that. Like I can remember back, you know, earlier and before I got on this side of menopause, I remember when I was doing intermittent fasting and losing weight, like there'd be a day and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so hungry today. What's wrong? I just ate and ate and ate and ate and ate. And why am I so hungry? And then boom, the next day I would have the reason why I would know. And every time it was like a mystery. (laughs) Every month I was surprised that I was so hungry. And, but my body really communicated that well to me. And I listened. I didn't try to diet through it. I didn't, you know, punish myself. And so you still ate what you wanted. Yeah, I ate more. Mm Mm-hmm. But my body pretty much commanded me to. I've always had a hard time, even though I did those crazy restrictive diets, that they weren't easy for me. When I'm hungry, I want to eat. My body's like, eat. I'm like, okay. Me too. <laughs> That's why we're both here. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Jen can eat, y'all. So can Melanie. So much. I, I've already said this, so it's a dead horse, but the amount of like animal protein. The amount of protein I eat every day is, I mean, it's pounds. That's so funny. Not me. <laughs> nope. Not pounds of fat, not pounds of protein. It's so good. <laughs> well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go, if you would like to submit your own questions to the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. The show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 207. You can get all the stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. You can follow us on Instagram. My Instagram is Jen. I'm like, it's going really well. Oh, good. Recently. So follow us. How's your Instagram? (laughs) I've decided I'm just going to live my life on Instagram and I'm just going to be Jen Stevens person on Instagram. So if you want to come to Instagram and see what Jen Stevens person is doing, 
I don't need to be Jen Stevens. <laughs> you know, I'm just like feeling very much like I just want to get back to basics. Maybe that's why I'm doing this new web platform. Just because I'm like, you know, I don't want to be, here's my dinner. Woo. <laughs> I just want to be like, here I am, everybody. Come sit by me. I think I really like Instagram. Well, besides the fact that selfies really stress me out, I like it because I really like creating like I love my background is like film and theater. So I love creating like visual content. It like combines my love for visual content with words because you I never thought about this until right now. You you know, you write as well. So I think that's probably why I really like it. It's like creating little little artwork. Not me. I'm like, here's my backyard remodel. <laughs> did you see that picture? I did. I did. For no, okay. So I saw it really briefly, and I just saw like wreckage, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, was there a st-? no?" No, I was like, "I was like, was there a storm in Augusta? Is her house gone?" <laughs> Can I just tell you um, how crazy I am right now? I'm going through so many things: the book, and the website launch, and also our backyard remodel that we tried to start in the fall, but we're we're demoing everything. Well, it's halfway done, but. The wood was rotten on the decks that were on the back, plus there was an arbor, all rotten, all needed to go. We knew it needed to be replaced when we bought the house. We got a great deal on this house. It needed some work. The pool, though, huge pool from the 80s. It's full of cracks. A tree fell in it in 2014. They had an ice storm. Well, we had an ice storm, and it cracked the pool. And so we were going to have to put all this money into fixing it. They're going to dig it all up. All that concrete is cracked. It has to go the the whole surround. So that I have like a bobcat, one of those digger things. It's in my front yard right now. And they have to get it into the backyard. They're going to take down a fence. I think they start doing that tomorrow. They're going to start digging up all that. That's like a 10-foot deep pool. That's intense. You know, we, fixing it was going to cost more than just digging it up. I mean, that sounds crazy, but we're, we're starting over. We're going to put in a, a screened porch because I really missed having a screened porch. We're putting in a small pool, like a dunk pool. And you have a real bobcat in the picture. Does Ellie not have a tail? That's Ellie. You know, she. You remember she got hit by the car and, and her tail had to be amputated. So she's just my little cutie. But yeah, in that picture, she's got a face on her, doesn't she? She's just like got some attitude. I love that cat. <sighs> it's really funny. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's what I'm going to put on Instagram. I'm not going to try to influence you at all. I am not an influencer. I'm the anti-influencer. I'm an anti-influencer who became an influencer. I give away a lot of free stuff. Oh, I'm not anti-influencers. Let me just say that. I I am an anti-influencer, but I'm not anti-influencers. Yes, exactly. I'm just the anti-influencer. I'm not giving you anything. I'm not giving anything away. I give away a lot of stuff, listeners, so (laughs) follow me. I usually give away every week something. Well, follow me to see a very interesting backyard remodel. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I can't wait, though, because... I really want to be able to enjoy the yard, and I like to go outside and sit on a screened porch. The mosquitoes here are tragic. I sort of feel like remodeling for you is therapeutic or something, because you're always remodeling something. Well, we bought this house that was built in the 80s and needed to be... I mean, it was built in 79. I said that wrong. It was built in 79. The people we bought it from moved in in 84. But the pool was built in the 80s. It just needed... I mean, it needed some work. When you have a house, you just... There's always something that has to be done. Yeah. But this one needed some some stuff. <laughs> that bathroom that's all finally done. Thank you. The backyard. But it's very stressful. I can't wait to finally have a house sometime. I can't wait for it to be done. 
I told Chad, because I'm so busy, he likes to spend 100 years looking at stuff. And like, look, you just pick two things and say, which one, this one or that, and I'll tell you. Oh, so he picks, okay, yeah, that's a good plan. Well, in this case, well, I like to pick stuff, but I don't have time right now to go to Lowe's and then Home Depot and then the other place and then all the places and then back to Lowe's because that's the way Chad shops. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, mm, that one. So he he can do that and pick two and then you pick one. Yeah. That works well. I'm very decisive. Yeah. But the one I'd say that one too is always the one we end up going with. So even if we've been to a hundred places, we always go back to the one that I liked immediately. So. <laughs> oh, wait, can I share a really quick one last thing? That relates. Yes. It goes with being decisive. Listeners, fun fact. If you're trying to throw away things, like clean out your apartment, throw away clothes, but you know, you want to hold on to it for whatever reason, just do it when you're when you're completely sleep deprived. So like when I got back from the trip and I was completely sleep deprived, I was like, must throw away everything. I threw away so much stuff. That's the key. Oh, that feels so good, doesn't it? That's the key. So Next time you're sleep deprived, which is not a good thing, turn it into a good thing. Use the decision fatigue and the exhaustion to throw away all these things that you were having trouble letting go of, like clothes, you know, old clothes and stuff, shoes. Very nice. I need to do that. I've got clothes that are no longer in style. Isn't that amazing? Like I've been the same weight for so long that my clothes have gone out of style that I, that I bought. I think I must not buy many clothes. I hold on to my outfits for a long time. Oh, yeah, because you always wear the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. During the day. That's funny. Oh, oh, by the way, I didn't tell you this. Today is the day, the day that we're recording this. Today is the day that six years ago today, I hit my initial goal weight. Oh, wow. Today is the day. March 14th, 2015, I was 75 pounds down. Happy six-year anniversary. Thank you. I have, yeah, I've maintained for six years. Oh, also one more funny story. My shape was acting super wacky. I was like, my age was going up. I was gray, 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 gray. I'm like, that's not right. And it did that for like three weeks. I changed the batteries. <laughs> it needed the batteries to be changed. So people, if your shape is acting wacky, change the batteries. Got on it. I was, you know, what, 24 again instead of. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really interesting. It was interesting. I mean, you know, scales, when they lose their, it was also taking it a long time to take a reading. Like I would stand on it and it would, took forever. I still want to reach out to the founder. Jen, I am so overwhelmed with guests. I have episodes, like interviews scheduled for episodes airing through November. They're all people I have to read. Like (laughs) people keep coming to me and being like, oh, you should have this person on your show. I'm like, nope. (laughs) The door is closed unless you're a New York Times bestseller. That'll get you in the door. That's nice to be able to have options that people want to come on your show. I know that you're proud of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that came off as ungrateful. I'm really grateful for it. It did not. It did not come off as ungrateful. I'm just really overwhelmed when people come to, especially because sometimes like some well-known people in the biohacking sphere will try to recommend, you know, their friends and stuff. And I'm like, (sighs) but circle back and (laughs) circle back in a few months. That does make it hard. And same with me. I've got so many people that want to come on intermittent fasting stories that I keep pushing them back. And I feel bad because I know they have a good story and I would like to tell it, but there's one week, one a week. So it's hard to know too. Like, I don't want the, the content to be too old. It's something I'm trying to figure out right now. Like, you know, at what point is that way too far in advance? You, I mean, typically it's, it's books. So the content is pretty relevant. 
but people want to come on right when it's launched. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to know. All right. Well, come to dddsocialnetwork.com and <laughs> visit the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast group. Another social group. Yeah. You're going to love it, though. I know I will. Because everybody there came there specifically because they like the community. That is what is so exciting. It's not like Facebook where people are just there already and they're like, well, I'll come over here if I want to, but I might not like you and I'm going to tell you. And <laughs> Everybody who's on the DDD social network came there on purpose. And so it is just so exciting to be there with them. And I love them all so much. And I love the people on Facebook too. Facebook people do not feel unloved, but sometimes somebody will wander in that might not be as good of a fit. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say. I'm really shocked. It's the last thing. I know we've said that like a million times. I recently started my Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare Facebook group. I'm really shocked. So my IF Biohackers Facebook group, which is my main hub, I don't ever get spammers in that group ever, like ever. I don't, I don't get people trying to join who are spammers. I don't get spam posts. We get them in the life lessons. We do. They try to join. My, so my Clean Beauty one, like half of the requests are spam requests. I don't know if it has something to do with the keywords, like people are searching. So this group has around almost 900 members. And yeah, every day, half of the requests are spam. Yeah. And it's really hard with the, I mean, I feel like people coming to the DDD social network and paying a membership fee are not going to be spammers. Right, right. That's going to filter that out. Yeah. So I'm not going to have to worry about that. Like people would join the regular group before we changed the way it posts now, but people would join it and then they would like get a post approved through post approval and then they would edit their post to some crazy spam post. So even post approval didn't fix it. And it would be some crazy spam post and they had this order they would do it in and we called it getting pancaked, but we couldn't talk about it because we didn't want to teach people you could edit your posts. So someone would come in and they'd post something. They started copying and pasting old posts. Like there was one about Hashimoto's that they would use. And then we started to recognize it and we'd just block them straight from there. But they would copy this Hashimoto's post and then then they would change it to, today I'm five years sober, which, do you know why they would do that? No. Because that drives a lot of engagement quickly because everybody's like, oh my God, congratulations. Thank you for sharing that. I support you. And then they would have a million. Then they would change it to, the admins of this group are about to start dropping Inactive members, please comment me if you want to stay. And then people would go, me, me, me. I mean, you could just see. And then they would change it to, these are the best pancakes I've ever had. Oh, that's why you called it pancake. Pancaking, yes. And it was always this pancake link. And I'm like, I don't know what happens if you click that pancake link, but something bad is going to happen if you click it. But we called it getting pancaked. And somebody would post something. They're like, I think we're about to get pancaked. And we'd be like, yeah, that looks like one. And then we would keep our eye on it. And then sure enough, then we would block them. But now Facebook has changed it. So if you have post approval turned on, it sends edits back through the approval process. So hallelujah. That probably, but now they're just putting the spam in the comments, but yeah, I'm really grateful. I don't, hopefully it won't change, but so my main hub is much smaller than yours. I think it's almost 8,000 or 9,000, 9, but I don't know. We don't really get spam. <laughs> so yeah, we don't get a lot of spam in the advanced group. Maybe spammers are not searching out biohacking groups <laughs> compared to, I don't know. It's weird. Well, okay. So this has been absolutely wonderful. It's been a lot of fun. I needed it, but Lord, I have so much to do. <laughs> I have so much to do, Melody. Just anyway, send me positive, productive thoughts. Sending you sane, productive, 
wonderful vibes. Take some feels CBD. Oh, that's a good idea. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful and I will talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.